Yeah, you know, when you say to each his own, that is really going to be, that attitude is going to be the key to making the mace survive. For so long, there's been too much friction between the different factions. And I have been guilty of a lot of that, but never again. Um, when uh, there's an old saying, I learned it from Jake Shannon actually, that a rising tide raises all the boats. So if you're flow, if you're traditional, we all win when people pick up the mace. Hey everybody, welcome to the podcast. Thank you for tuning in. My name is Danny Kola. If this is your first time here, make sure to click the subscribe button in the corner on whatever podcast platform you're listening. This way you get a notification every time a new episode is dropped. This podcast is dedicated to all my steel mace movers worldwide. Uh, I get to go into detail with the Mr. Mace man himself, Rick Brown, and we talk about the many modalities and movement practices that you could do with the steel mace. And it's awesome that we uncovered that uh, everybody in the mace community at some point has like interconnected to learn something that they've incorporated it in their own kind of way, which is, I think, the best part about the steel mace. And I think we need to celebrate one another. So uh, this podcast goes out to celebration to everybody in the mace community because the stuff has impacted all of us in our own unique way. And it's pretty cool. That being said, enjoy the podcast with Mr. Mace Man, Rick Brown himself. All right, what's up, Rick Brown, man? Thanks for uh, thanks for doing this, man. I appreciate it. Oh, hey, I'm honored to do it. I'm excited about this. Fred said he had a great time with you, so I wanted to join in too. Yeah, Fred, I love Fred. Every time he and I get together, we have a good conversation. He actually came out to uh, one of my workshops in uh, last year in October, and we connected and we hung out. We went and got some pizza. He's a great guy. Yeah. Did, did you go to uh, Luminati's Pizza? Uh, we, di- we didn't go to Lou Milnati's. We went to the other one, which is, it doesn't have the best rap. We took him to Giordano's, but eh, it's not that bad. I'm not a big fan. Of, I'm not a biggest fan of deep dish anyway, but the fact that we were in Chicago or he, he came to Chicago to visit, we had to get some deep dish, you know? Yeah. I've been to, um, to, uh, Giordano's. It was great. I thought it was great. Yeah. That's not bad. People get, people like to talk shit about Giordano's. I don't know. It's just because people need something to talk shit about, you know? (laughs) Anyway. Uh, yeah. Thanks for doing this, man. Uh, I'm glad that we get the chat. So you're out of LA. Are you not? Well, I'm actually uh, South of LA, uh, about an hour South of LA and about an hour North of uh, San Diego in Orange County. Okay. So I'm sure you're feeling the heat from the death of Kobe Bryant as well. Very much, uh, very, uh, if you live in, if you have lived in Southern California, uh, well, Kobe was a neighbor. He was an Orange County neighbor of mine. So, right. so, um, just a few cities over, um, I'm in Mission Viejo and he was in, uh, Coro de Casa, uh, three miles, four miles away. Um, yeah, everybody here has felt it. And, uh, there was, I was sitting on the couch with my wife in the morning and my daughter called me and told me. And, uh, you know, I was in shock. My wife started crying. Uh, and then we, we calmed her down. And, and right as we, she stopped crying, then we found out about his daughter being on board, too. And, and yeah. then she lost it again. And, you know, Kobe, like when Muhammad Ali died, was so much bigger than his sport. He was an ambassador to the world. Totally. And... Um, I remember in the opening ceremonies of the uh, 
Olympics that were held in China, they showed all the other athletes from around the world coming to, when they were doing the parade of nations, they were all coming up to Kobe. They were walking through other athletes and they were all coming up to get pictures taken with Kobe. These were other athletes from, from all the different continents. And it just graphically showed it to me right then how much he has touched lives around the world. Yeah, man. Like 100%. I listen, I wasn't, I, I've been a Bulls fan my entire life. I'm in, you know, the Midwest, Chicago, Illinois, and Kobe was always the, the next coming of Michael Jordan. So, you know, I was impacted as a kid, you know, having that uh, love for Chicago Bulls, and Michael Jordan and watching Kobe kind of supersede him. And then LeBron comes along and I was very wrapped up in all of that. And, you know, he was, he had Italian roots too. He spoke really good Italian. His dad played in uh, and <clears throat> coached in Italy and my dad lives in Rome. So, you know, growing up Italian, I had that tie to that NBA player. And uh, when it happened, I was just so fucking shocked. And I, I you know, I'm like, I like to be an optimist and think about living as long as possible and, and, and doing the, doing good around the world. But like when freak accidents happen, I just like something shifts in my head and I'm just like, dude, anything could happen at any time. You're one second away, cherish the moments. And, uh, it was just extremely shocking. And I kind of still flustered by the whole thing anyway. I mean, I, and, and I didn't even have a, I didn't even know know him at all you know what i'm saying like not even really a lakers fan it's just i know how much impact he had on people around the world and everyone's feeling it dude it's 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 very evident here uh in the, in the public streets and everywhere I, I go people have their kobe jerseys i have my kobe jersey i have i have a kobe jersey number eight one of the original ones yeah yeah uh, uh i've got the laker flag for my car but i keep it up in my my mantle in the living room, but um, he had such a tremendous work ethic, and yes. and you combine that with his undeniable talent. That's what made the superstar. But he always, always had the work ethic. I mean, stories of him after games practicing for two hours when most mm -hmm. players would be going home and resting and recuperating. He would get up early and he'd stay up late. And he had no tolerance for any slackers on his team. That's true. And, yeah, uh, like a de definitely a natural, a natural born leader. And, you know, that's an anomaly, right? Like, we don't get that a lot anymore. I mean, yeah, there are guys that work hard, but some guys go above and beyond and are that next level, that have that next level demeanor. And you can just tell those guys are a rare breed. And uh, he had an effect on a lot of people on the court, off the court, uh, the way he was mentoring his daughter too, which is another tragedy within itself. I just like, well, and thank you for listening. It just kind of helps me like cope with this, talking about this. Like I said, the, the more, the point I was driving at is just makes me look at life and cherishing every single moment and uh, just trying to be as present as possible. You know what I'm saying? Enjoy conversations like this, which I appreciate you're here, by the way. This is this is cool. Anytime I get to talk with somebody in the Mace community or just swinging a Mace for that matter, that's teaching it globally, which is a goal of mine, um, I, I love picking the brain of. So talk to me a little bit about your history with the Mace and, and why it catches your eye and why you like working with it. 
Um, my history, of course, I, I've grown up here in Southern California and I'm pretty old. And in the 70s, I attempted to be a part of the bodybuilding culture, mm. uh, training occasionally at um, Gold's Gym and at Vince's Gym. If you don't know who Vince Garanda was, you got to look him up. A classic gym in Southern California for 40 years. I finally settled on a gym in Pasadena, Bill Pearl's gym, who was a five-time Mr. Universe. And despite the fact that I had great trainers and teachers, and I had a good work ethic myself, I was a high school wrestler and it was kind of pounded into me, but I just didn't have the genetic structure to, to mm. be an effective bodybuilder. So I pounded my head against the wall pretty much for a decade and a half or longer, still still doing the workouts and getting stronger, but it just didn't show up. I have really long limbs, um, and they just uh, uh, an 18-and-a-half-inch arm on me doesn't look very big. It just looks kind of pudgy. Doesn't, doesn't look doesn't look like a rock, you know, and and I, I, I would have to weigh about 300 pounds to, to really look effective, and I'm just – don't have the frame to carry that. So basically, I was a failure as a bodybuilder, <laughs> a failure, dismal failure. What uh, before you before you move on from that? What type of, uh, I mean, what other lessons did you learn from bodybuilding, and what type of people did it introduce you to to kind of put you in the mind, mindset that you have now, or kind of developed as you went on? Uh, I learned that you just couldn't go in without a plan. You couldn't mm. just wing it. And if, if you met a, a top bodybuilder and you told him the classic line, I can't get big, most of them would shut you down by saying something like, uh, well, how many grams of protein are you eating a day? How many yeah. grams of uh, carbohydrates? And, and most guys have no answer to that. So they immediately you know, crossed them off the list. Uh, and then, of course, when the suggestions came to what uh, anabolic steroids to, to take, I wasn't going to go that route. So that pretty much. Uh, yeah, that, that, I think bodybuilders, they come to that crossroads. If they're like really serious about competing, they have to get on the juice at some point. Yeah. Right. And I don't want to get into a philosophical or, or a, a moral issue on that. If somebody decides to do that. Sure. That's, that's onto them. You know, if, if you put down the people that are taking these drugs, so many of them are entertaining us in the oh, yeah. athletic field. So if, if we completely level the playing field, um, records would go down and, and, and things like that. So if people want to take that risk, that's between them and, and totally. Nader. I wasn't willing to take that risk. So, you know, I, I was a failure as a bodybuilder, but I, I read all the magazines and, you know, I attended all the conventions and things like that. And I found out uh, roughly around the turn of uh, Y2K, I found out about kettlebells. Mm. And uh, there was a big push towards kettlebells. And I, I said, man, I think I can do this. I, th I think I can. So I, I bought a few kettlebells. And uh, at that time, to get certified as a, as a kettlebell instructor, you had to go to Minnesota. It wasn't just everywhere. You, in fact, <laughs> you, had to, you had to send away from Minnesota to get kettlebells. You just couldn't buy them anywhere. Really? Oh, yeah. And, and there was one company in America supplying kettlebells. They were from Minnesota. And uh, everybody from my era who does kettlebells has a UPS story about their UPS guy who, who I lived upstairs. He didn't want to come upstairs with, with you know, six, seven kettlebells. <laughs> and uh, we all have our story. Now you can get them at Target. You can get them at, at Walmart. You can get anywhere. them anywhere. But uh, it yeah. took a lot of people pushing kettlebells to get that, uh, 
to be the case. And I'm, I'm in that, I'm in that same phase right now with the mace, but, um, 2006, I got certified as a, a kettlebell instructor and I was going to change the world with, uh, with kettlebells. But I always, just like I found out about kettlebells online, I found out about other things and I found out about the mace around the same time. Hold and, on, pause real fast. When you said, I want to change the world with the kettlebells, like, do you have that, do you have that innate, like, want and desire to have a cosmic dent, so to speak, like make an imprint on humanity and help people out. Is that, is that driving you? Like that's a powerful yeah, that's, statement. I always, I always innately knew that I would want to excel and demonstrate and teach something. Mm. Um, uh, when I was much younger, I thought I might be wrestling, but that, that wasn't the case. And then, then the bodybuilding, but of course that wasn't the case. And I used to go to seminars of bodybuilders too at the time, you know, try to learn as much as I could. And, they, you know, I love going to seminars. You mentioned that multiple times. Um, do you like when you're in a seminar, do you visualize yourself teaching that particular seminar? Because like I, I'm a, I'm a teacher like by nature and I love watching other teachers and I try to submerse my mind in the mind of the 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 teacher leading the workshop, leading the the class or whatever, and try to think about things from their, their mind. Do you have like a specific protocol when you go to workshops or as far as like participation? Yeah, I have, I have of course a standard format. I have a, you know, a five to six hour um, certification, like a, a three hour workshop, you know, it depends on how far they want to take it. Yeah. Um, and I was heavily influenced by my original kettlebell teacher, Pavel Tsatsouline, who so many mm. in America owe their kettlebell lineage yeah. to. And I like the way he taught. He would demonstrate a movement and then he would break it down. And then he would have us all teach it to each other and he would go apart uh, around and, and pick us apart and, and see, tell us what we were doing wrong with his educated eye. And mm. I try, I, I attempt to teach in a similar fashion. Um, uh, I, I'm, I'm passionate about it because I, I've learned, Danny, that with just the mastery of, of something as simple as a mace, you literally, literally can change your life. And it doesn't take long. And it, it's not like learning a foreign language. It's much easier. Yeah, I mean, the mace is very interesting. I, you know, I stumbled into the mace right after uh, I learned about the kettlebell. So that's a very similar story. And you know, it's funny. I've been working with a mace now, just maybe almost, it's almost coming on three years, you know, two and a half, three years. And I've, uh, I've done a lot of different styles of mace work. And I just like, if you do it every single day, I feel like the more you learn about the mace, the more you learn about yourself inward and outward. And it's just a fun way to, to move, you know, morning, regular workout, um, I've really enjoyed, I really enjoyed, uh, getting uh, to know the mace, I guess, and, and having a, a relationship with it and teaching other people what it can do for them as far as like, you know, building a better or stronger foundation, more aligned spine and learn to flow and, and do all sorts of stuff. Now there's a lot of, I'm learning that there's a lot of different terms and, and, and premises that people believe in, in the mace community, but, uh, to each their own, I, I guess, um, but yeah, man, it's really, to your point, it, it is really something magical. So um, 
talk to me a little bit about your development with the mace and how you've kind of developed a philosophy of your own. Okay. Well, well, actually at the time I first learned about the mace, it was online. I was, uh, uh, there was a wrestling site that I, I was always a part of, um, scientificwrestling.com. And this guy, uh, Jake Shannon, started talking about a mace. And I looked at it. I looked at the pictures of it. And I looked at the, the, the few brief videos there were. And I said, this, right. this interests me. Now, at the time, I didn't even have a computer. We're talking 2005, 2006. I'm really technically challenged. I was going to say, you, haven't, you didn't have a computer in 2006? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, Man, but trust me, <laughs> you don't know the half of it. But anyway, so <laughs> I was using a computer at the library. Now, I had no idea how I was going to get a hold of this uh, Jake Shannon guy. And I'm driving home from the library. I lived in a city called Dana Point, California, Oceanside City, really nice. And this truck pulls in front of me, and I kid you not, it said, learn to swing the mace belt. And mm -hmm. I tell people I'm not the brightest guy around, but I definitely know when God's talking to me. And he was talking to me. I pulled the guy over. It was Jake Shannon. I get out of your truck, man. Teach me how to do the mace. And wow. it just so happened that he lived two streets over from me. Wow. Here's this guy that I'm going on the computer to find out about. And he lived two streets over from me. So I became one of his first students. And I told him, I said, I am, I'm already a kettlebell instructor. I have a, you know, a platform. I have a few clients. Um, and I said, I'm going to take this to the world. Now, mind you, I, I didn't believe I could take kettlebells to the world because I was in Southern California and the market is so dense. I was already an old man and most people wanted a young trainer. I was already an old guy, about 50. And, and it was an anomaly that somebody was teaching physical stuff at that age anyway, much less the mm. hardcore stuff like kettlebells. Sure. I, I told Jake, I said, I'm going to take this around the world. Now, Jake is a very busy guy. He's got a lot of irons in the fire. And he said, I don't think there's really an interest for it. It's such a niche market. And I said, well, I'll make an interest. And one of my kettlebell clients at the time had owned a video production company, the biggest video production company for martial arts, at least in the world, still, still is, budovideos.com. And he told me, I want, to, I want to make a kettlebell DVD, and I want you to be in it, Rick. And of course, that was every trainer's dream, right? And um, so we made the DVD, and on the last chapter of that DVD, we went outdoors, out of the studio, and I showed him had him do some kettlebell work, some heavy club work, and then a mace. Had him do a, a few quick sets with a, with a 10K mace. This was all put online. At first it was sold and it sold a couple thousand copies and then it was put online. It's, it's still online uh, on YouTube right now. Uh, but of all the comments I got, everybody wanted to know what was that long thing he was swinging around. And I said, hey, you guys want to know what it is? Uh, you know, uh, yeah, I'll talk about that. And uh, fast forward a few years, I, I got with a partner and we decided, let's do a, a MACE seminar. And we advertised very heavily and we had a gym, Long Beach Kettlebell Club. And 18 people showed up. I was astonished. 18 people showed up. And uh, 
we got the uh, the photographs back. We posted them, and that led to more and more things. Uh, we had done we had done a couple in the Los Angeles area, and then we got a call from a gym in Northern California. This is crucial part of the story here. A gym in Northern California uh, called us, and they said, "Would you come up and teach the mace?" Yes, of course we will. And we went up there and and did a what I thought was a bang up uh, job with the seminar. It's all on YouTube anyway. Well, that. The owners of that gym uh, eventually moved to Austin, Texas, and formed the nucleus of Onnit. And uh, hmm. but uh, and there's not much talk about it. But if you want to ask them where they learned the mace, it was in Northern California from some old man. Are you talking about like uh, John Wolf and Shane yeah. Hines, those guys? Uh, Shane wasn't there, but John was there and a few of his other trainers. Great guys. John's a great guy. Yeah, I, I met him. I met him over uh, at the Onnit Academy in uh, December, and uh, Shane actually led the seminar that I was at, and I was just really blown away by Shane. So interesting. They they got their education um, somewhere around you know the, where, where you were educated as well, which is interesting. And I, it's good to 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 hear like how all these kind of things intermingle at some way or some level of the story. You know what I'm saying? Right. And uh, people people cross paths and have an impact on one another and and all that, which is, um, I mean, I think that's I think that's the name of the game, right? Like we do this so that we can have a positive impact on people, so that they can have their own special imprint, so to speak. But that's fucking awesome. That's that's a really cool story. I'm glad that uh, I'm glad that you shared that with me because I was really impacted by Shane. Um, it was it was wild because I've had you know a lot of podcasts of people that went through the Onnit Academy saying uh, just po real positive things about Shane, and then I got to experience it firsthand. And you know, incredible talent. Uh, you know, I followed him for a long time with his club bell work, and uh, he's a great teacher. I've got I've got a couple of his uh, earlier programs. Yeah, fuck yeah. Uh, I'm I'm trying to get in contact with him now to get him on the podcast in the next couple of months. I'm really excited about that. But that's fucking awesome. So you've ha always had this innate ability to teach and put on seminars, and that that's great. Um, so when you decided to go global, talk to me a little bit about that process because I'm very interested in exploring the world. When when I got my corporate teaching gig, you know it was good and all, but you're kind of confined to one area in one space and the more i think about life and experience and the world and consciousness the more i want to experience things out there and like um, i want to submerse myself in the culture of other places and to, to bring people together around a tool that's very unique that could have such a profound effect on their life i think is something that i want to experience so tell me a little bit about your experience thus far teaching around the world well i'll tell you this uh, I was about 55 years old, and I had never, other than a few trips to Tijuana, I had never been out of the United States. I had really actually done limited traveling within the U.S. I'd hey, how old are you now, if you don't mind me asking? Hmm? I'm 61. How old are you now? 62. Oh, 61. Yeah. Nice. And um, um, 61 and built for fun. But um, <laughs> Love it. But... Um, uh, I was 55 and I just came to the realization, you know, you, every, every birthday you, or, or every New Year's, you start to uh, think uh, about your life and where it's going. And if you haven't, you start to in your 50s, believe me. And I th said that it's just not in the, 
in the plan for me to be a traveler. Never had a passport, never needed one. So things did improve with me training the mace locally. Things did improve. Um, oh, I did get asked to go to uh, Albuquerque, New Mexico. They flew me out. I felt like a super celebrity being actually yes. flying somewhere just from LA to Albuquerque, flying somewhere to teach what I love. I, I felt like this is the pinnacle of life, right? So then I, yeah. came, I came back and I, I, uh, I did a few San Diego seminars and, and um, um, there's a great guy showed up at one of the seminars, uh, a kettlebell guy. If you're into kettlebells, you know who he is, Steve Cotter. He showed up at my seminar and he said, I really, really like the Mason. I really liked your style of teaching, Rick. I tour the world and I'm going to tell people about you. And a, a week later, he, I get a call from him from China. He says, Rick, I don't understand this. Um, uh, I've told everyone about you and they're not interested. I said, well, you know, th th thank you. Thank you very much, Steve. But I just, I, I don't know. I, what can I say? So then he says, well, I'm going to Ireland in a week. I'll, I'll, I'll tell everyone there. I said, and I didn't expect anything. And now things have gotten better for me. I have a computer now. Or I have <laughs> I've got one now, but but I have I had one then by that time. And it was in the bedroom though. So it's 2 a.m. in the bedroom and, and my wife's asleep in bed and I'm on the computer, tick, tick, tick. And uh, uh, this guy messages me and he Mr. Mace Man, we'd like you to come out to our gym and and, and teach uh, your Mace certification. I said, I'd love to, but if you're not in California, you've got to fly me out, you gotta pay my fee, you gotta put me up. He says, done, no problem. I said, where are you located? And he said the name of this city, uh, Kill Malik. And mind you, he texted me this. Had I have had I have heard his voice on the phone, I would have known right away. But he texted me, Kill Malik. And uh, I knew there's a lot of cities in Texas that are with K's. There's Kilimont, there's Kenmont, uh, and and uh, Kirkland. And uh, so I said, Are you in Texas? And there was a pause, and he said, No, sir, I'm in Ireland. And so I texted him back, do you mean Leprechaun Ireland? And there was a long pause. And he says, yes, sir, Leprechaun Ireland. Boy, I nearly fainted. Uh, a month later, I was there. I've been back three times since then. Um, that's pretty awesome. Yeah, that's cool. So like different gyms or different companies or what primarily are the different people? Different gyms. I've, I've been uh, three trips to Ireland and one trip to Northern Ireland, all different gyms. Um, I was in Belfast, wow. uh, North Ireland. I, I was in uh, Waterford, uh, Ireland, in the Republic of Ireland, and in uh, Limerick and uh, Kilmallock, Ireland, and Dublin. That's pretty cool. Do you go out with these people later on? Do you have like a shindig where you kind of get to know the culture and get to know the people a little bit? The, the very best part was that the first one I was I went to in, in Limerick, uh, O'Brien Fitness and Performance. Uh, Adrian asked me, Adrian O'Brien is, is the, he owns the gym. He said, do you mind staying with me, uh, at my place? And I said, no, not at all. You know, I said, I'll sleep, I'll sleep on a gym owner's couch. I don't care. I'll sleep in a broom closet. And I got to stay with him for three or four days, uh, four or five days actually. And, uh, got to really see Irish culture. He's the strength awesome. and conditioning. He's the strength and conditioning coach for the Irish hurling team uh mm. and hurling is a, a sport that's just for ireland and it's a great sport it's kind of like lacrosse or field hockey and he was uh, that city's um, uh, strength and conditioning coach they won that year they won the all ireland championship so i got to see all that i got to see the 
the, the passion these people have for fitness and for strength training, uh, especially when it's done with crude implements like the mace. And totally. It, yeah, it just, I may retire to Ireland. I liked Ireland so much. Really? You really liked Ireland. Interesting. Talk to me about uh, your trip to India, though. That looked like it was badass. I mean, completely different. When I saw your videos, it's just like the outside is what you picture India would look like. Man, that's that was crazy. Tell me a little bit about your experience. Wow. It was, it was, nothing will prepare you for it. Okay. Uh, I did get a lot of good help from people that told me what, uh, you know, dietary things to do and to avoid, uh, don't drink the water, blah, blah, blah. And, uh, I, I was hyper vigilant on that. And so I didn't get sick while I was in India. I'm so grateful. Um, great culture shock from the moment you step off the plane. Okay. What city? Uh, I landed in Ahmedabad, which was a good city to land in because it wasn't so much of a culture shock. And that was where I taught at a gym, a modern gym, a new gym quantum fit in Ahmedabad. And uh, that's the textile capital of the, of the country of India. It's a, it's a relatively modern city. Okay. Right. Still greatly different from what I was used to in the United States or anywhere in the world. Then after I had trained there, two days later, I got on a plane and I flew a couple of hours, still in India, to Varanasi, India, which was where all the Akaras are, which was like the birthplace of the mace. And uh, I got to go to the very Akara to learn from the, the very first person I ever saw on a video, on a VHS, swinging a mace a dozen years uh, earlier. And I got to meet that man. And uh, I got to go around in the city of Varanasi, which is right along the Ganges River, has about 25 active Akaras. And Akara is a wrestling gym. And at one time, this is the sad part of the story, at one time they had about 100, maybe more in that city. And it, the wrestling practice and the mace, which they call the Gada, was greatly revered and favored. It has fallen not out of favor, but just young men have gone to bodybuilding, traditional bodybuilding. Right. They want to work out in gyms with shiny chrome equipment and working out on a dirt floor and wrestling a dirty, sweaty body and throwing around a bamboo stick into a cement uh, pot. It just doesn't hold the allure to the young culture today like it did to my age and my father's age. And it, that's kind of sad. Uh, I'm doing my best to spread the mace around the world. They thanked me while I was there. They they, they gave me a ceremonial mace uh, to take home. And um, uh, but realistically, even even all of the ones that are still into it, they realize the sport is dying. Um, hopefully, with the new changes that, that that are being made with the mace in Europe and in the United States, we can keep some of it alive. But now they're doing some. Uh, sorry. Yeah. Sorry to cut you off. They're doing like a mace competition with 10 and twos. Do you, do you have experience with that? I've been in two of those competitions. One was a five minute competition in Las Vegas at the Mr. Olympia Expo. And, uh, one was a 10 minute competition, uh, in San Diego. Thankfully I won both of them, but you know what? Uh, it doesn't matter if I would, if I come in last place in a, in a competition, I'm really not that concerned as long as every rep I do is close to perfect. That's what I want. Yeah. 
Um, yeah, definitely, was, definitely. So what's the premise? The premise is to do as many 10 and 2s in a 5 or 10 minute span as you can? Right, and it is. And it's usually with a much lighter weight than you would think. I used uh, 30 pounds for the 5 minute set, and I used uh, 20 pounds for the 10 minute set. And the way they count generally is they count as the weight goes from 10 to 2 and then back to 10. So, so it's like half the number of moves are, are what is counted. Um, and fortunately, I won both times. Um, <laughs> nice. But like I said, the sport's growing so fast with so many hot shots. And guys younger than my children are doing it uh, way stronger than me. You know, I'll still stand up on the stage next to them. I'll do my best. As long as every rep I do is perfect, I feel like a winner. I think however you pick up a mace, we're all winners. Yeah, oh, for sure. I, I'll, I'll agree with you 110% there. So that's cool. You said you did it at like a bodybuilding uh, convention. So you oh, start to see – say it again? Well, Danny, it was at the Mr. Olympia uh, uh, competition in uh, 2016 or 17. No, maybe 17 or 18. I'm old. Forgive me. But it's <laughs> okay. And um, uh, it was at the expo where they had like powerlifting and they had grappling and they had strongman and they had, uh, you know, of course, bodybuilding. But but people were walking around as it was going on, all of them wondering, what is this? Yeah, so that's cool. It's cool to see it that, it, uh, I mean, it's being integrated little by little and it is catching eyes, it's catching attention. And, you know, in my experience, I feel that uh, when, when I introduce it to clients, they're very uh, hesitant to be uh, gung ho about it. Some people jump right on and they're like, yeah, I want this and I want to, I want to work on it and I want to buy one. And you know, those people, they get my online program and all that stuff. But then there are people that are like, all right, what's this mace thing do? They don't want to be put in a vulnerable position. Uh, not, you know, not a lot of people like learning something new. I, I feel, uh, really reluctant with other trainers. They're like, what is that thing? That thing is weird, you know? So like, um, I'm very open-minded and I like to, uh, just, submerse myself in new stuff especially when there's a lot of benefit that's behind it and it, it really is a market that's like open you know there's really not one person or or certification that's like super dominant in this in this field and uh what i'm learning is that there's so many different styles and different uh teachers and learning styles and co co different competitions and different flow patterns that you can do like there's such a there's such a variety for people to kind of cling to and, and what they're attracted to. Somebody likes the way Leo Savage moves. Somebody likes uh, learning from the style that you set. Some people like learning the style of, you know, Viking Ninja. And some people are, are looking at the crazy trainer from down in Florida doing his thing. So it's like, however you get your eyes and uh, get attracted to it and then finally get a mace in your hands, boom, you're a winner, like you said. I love that. Incidentally, you, you have to... Uh, differentiate between crazy trainers in Florida. There's a couple of them. So. <laughs> the crazy trainer, his name is uh, Jared Cardona. I actually just got back from visiting him. He is such an awesome guy and he's running his little training spot out there. He's known for mainly flipping kettlebells, which mm -hmm. I think is super interesting. Um, <laughs> people have their own opinions on flipping kettlebells. Like I said, to each their own. Uh, but I met him uh, a couple weeks ago back in Florida and he is a really stand-up guy. Definitely hooked me up out there. Yeah, you know, when you say to each his own, that is really going to be, that attitude is going to be the key to making the mace survive. For so long, there's been too much friction between the different factions, and I have been guilty of a lot of that, but never again. Um, when 
what there's an old saying, I learned it from Jake Shannon actually, that a rising tide raises all the boats. So if you're flow, if you're traditional, we all win when people pick up the mace. Uh, somebody, you may get a client and, and they, they see, they get introduced to the mace by you, but they want to go off to somebody else. Well, that's fine. That's fine. They're going to do it anyway. So totally. the ones that will come to you will hear your voice. They'll come to you. Don't try to get everybody. Uh, the, the best way to fail is to try to appeal to everybody because you can't. So you find a niche that you're good with and run it to the, to the limit. That's what I've done. Sure. Um, uh, those who do other styles, I wish them well. And because See, now that's that, that's great. That's great because it's like positive vibe that put out there. And like, like you said, the mace is such a powerful thing, and it, everybody's gonna win by by picking it up. And to put positivity behind these types of things, I think, is the way to go. As opposed to uh, tearing other people down in a really small community, I find that that's been the case. And I, I just I keep asking the, the question, why? You know, it's just like uh, it's very humanistic and tribal to kind of pick a team and and rep a side. And, and I totally get all that. But we're in the business of trying to inspire and help people. So I think it's contradictory when we talk shit and stuff. So I, I'm not about that. And I, I want to support anybody out there in the game and really learn from people. That's that's my main thing. Like uh, I love I love mingling with all kinds of teachers because I take a little bit of that energy in. If if everything's energy in this reality in this realm, I definitely feed off of it, and it makes me a better human. Uh, I also pay attention to to human patterns, and it helps me learn a little bit more about uh, behavior of people. Um, so in that regard, I, I'm interested in, in all that type of thing. So. Where else uh, have you taught Mace that has been very eye-opening for you? What was what was one of the better experiences you had as far as like teaching in different parts of the world? Uh, I taught uh, I taught in uh, England, in Norway, and in Norway the uh, it was at a, at a great gym, and uh, the the people were very passionate to learn. Um, they were into their Viking roots. I mm, you know so the Mace kind of came into that. Uh, I taught in Rome, Italy. I'm going back there in September. Big group of people uh, that were, I could not believe how how organized they, they all were to learn other forms of unconventional training, clubs, uh, Bulgarian bags, uh, heavy ropes, uh, things like that. And so they what, just- uh, What day are you gonna be there in September? Sorry. I'm not sure yet. I just know it's September. I, uh, I got okay, that's all. That's that's interesting. I'm going to be there in September as well in Rome. As My dad lives out, know, as out there too. As, so. Yes, as soon as I know, I'll let I'll, I'll email you. I'll let you know because all I know is that my host, the same host I was with last time, who runs a great organization, uh, he said September is is the month I'll be there. So uh, sweet. I yeah, let me know when. I'd love if I could if I could squeeze it out. I'd love to to join you and and take that that seminar. I think that'd be so fun. It, it was great. We had 33 people last time. It was, Holy it was, shit. So you're getting, you're getting numbers at these things, huh? It, it was nice. We, we did it indoors for two days and then we did it for a day outdoors right along the water. Oh, it was so nice. How do you advertise? Like, do you just get with these gyms out in these countries and, and, and email them and talk to them and then set something up with them? Do you send them like your format? Uh, like what's that protocol like? I have a 90 second commercial. And uh, it was filmed when I was in Belfast. And I got a good guy to make it. 
and uh, uh, he added good graphics and good music. And uh, I send that out to maybe 10 or 15 gyms a day. I mm -hmm. Google search uh, unconventional gyms, uh, Croatia, uh, kettlebell gyms, uh, uh, Lithuania, you know, something like that. And uh, I send them my, my, uh, my commercial. I said, this can be your gym. Are you interested? And I'm at about a 1% success rate with that, okay? That means, you read it right, 99% of the gyms say absolutely no. If they answer me at all, they say no. But that, I'm cool with that percentage. I had the similar percentage when I was single. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> I ended up with a good wife. But uh, I had a similar percentage when I was a single man asking ladies out. But, but uh, so I'm, I'm okay with that. I'm not uh, dissuaded by the numbers of the people saying no, because every once in a while somebody says, yes, we've got to have you come on out. Uh, in two weeks, uh, I've got Pleasanton, California. Uh, it, you know, they said yes, so that's great. And uh, uh, hey, one day it was Australia. One day it was China. And uh, so, so I like to say that I, I've had the mace uh, in front of the Coliseum, on the Great Wall of China, on the London Bridge, and in front of the Sydney Opera House. And I've got the pictures to prove it, you know. And uh, that's it, fucking badass, bro. I I commend you. I I applaud you. I think that's that's awesome because just know that that kind of made a little bit of an impact on me. And uh, you know, I I I might take that uh, little tool that you just you just gave me there. I'm gonna get on and start emailing all these places all over because it's a goal of mine to uh to travel the world and like i said submerse in culture of the people that are you know all over the place and um i want to experience that for myself as opposed to watching it in tv or something and to connect over something that's beneficial to the human body and the human mind i think this is a good transition do you find any ties with the steel mace uh and your own spirituality have you ever made any sort of connections? Um, what are your thoughts on that? Do you, do you have any connections like that? Of course I do. Anyone who's been doing something a long, long time is going to, is, is, is going to have a, a beyond the physical connection with what they do. Even if you've, if you've worked at a job you hate for 20 years, you're spiritually linked to that job. If you've shown up for 20 years, whether you like it or not, um, you know, that's the reason, well, I I don't want to offend anyone with what I say. So you so know I, what? Don't worry. There's no FCCs, no apologies, bro. I'll say it. <laughs> I've learned that, that the Mace community is very easily offended. Many of them. I don't want to say anything. But that's good. This is good. This is good to have this conversation because I want people in the Mace community to hear this shit so that we could, uh, you know, come together. Uh, okay, but go ahead. Anyway. Okay. Well, for example, when I went to India, um, uh. I noticed that in India, before they do the 10 to 2, they, they touch the mace, they touch their forehead. They touch, they, first of all, they pray to a god before they do their workout. Mm. They, they bow to Hanuman, that is their god, before they do a workout. I'm a Christian, and in the, the holy writings that I grew up reading, it says, no other gods before me. So I'm not going to bow to Hanuman. I'm not going to uh, touch the mace and then touch my head and try and get some kind of psychic spiritual connection. I already mm. have that. I have mm. that every day I go to the gym and I, and I work out. Um, Kobe had that with a basketball, okay? Um, let's hope that uh, Patrick Mahomes has it Sunday with his football. Because um, <laughs> I'm going for the, uh, uh, you know, my team's not in it, so I'm going, going for the Chiefs. But yeah. um, uh, you have a spiritual connection to what you pour your spirit into. And I pour That's my true. spirit into the mace. 
I give it everything I have. I give it every, and I want you to learn it well. I, I, I will bend over backwards to teach somebody the mace, to teach them the pitfalls that I went through in years and years. I tell people, I give away a little wristband. It says, Mr. Maceman on one side, and on the other side, it says uh, a million reps because that's part of my, my presentation. You're nothing with a mace until you've done a million swings with it. Okay, and I started off training three days a week with the mace, a thousand reps each workout. It took me close to eight years to get a million reps, and that just gets you in the door. Okay, that and, and believe me, the spiritual connection is 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 built there. Um, there is a I quote uh, the original club bell teacher Scott Sonnen. He said, "There is magic in the mundane, and there is you do a thousand reps with a mace." It's a pretty mundane thing. It's TikTok side to side, right? Your mind goes somewhere. It goes somewhere. And I like that place. I really mm. like that place. I feel good when I'm swinging a mace, maybe because I know I'm pretty good at it. Uh, it's my form of golf. It's my surfing. You know, when I learned the mace in the city of Dana Point, famous around the world for its surfing community, I don't surf. I was probably the only guy there who did not have surfboards in his garage. I did have a bunch of maces. Okay. I don't go. I'm an old guy. I don't golf. I live on a golf course, but I do swing a mace. That is my form of golf. That is my release. That is my uh, moving meditation. I try to give that to the people that attend my seminars. Yeah, that that's cool because that that definitely comes off. You know what I'm saying? Like when someone's so passionate about it and and feels the way you do about it, then that comes out in a seminar, I believe. And I think that's the cool thing about seminars because uh, I've been to a handful of them. You know, the on it ones and a handful of other instructors and the Viking ninjas and and I've I've always connected on other levels at those things. Like I've I've you know, gain experience points, learning new and different modalities when it comes to teaching the tool. And I connect with people that are like-minded and interested in bringing the mace to the world or just like uh, all in all trying to send a positive message, which gets me inspired as fuck. And then if I take a couple days to kind of let that energy rise to the top, let's say I have like a weekend Wednesday where I'm, you know, after a couple of days of hard work and letting ideas kind of run around in my head, when I let the, the, energy kind of rise to the top i get really good ideas I, I i think really positively i feel like my cup is overflowing with love and fun and joy that i kind of want to just give off to my clients and my students and uh my friends and my family you know like i, I just want to be uh a light to shine on to people within my nearest community and you know even in a, in a, in a classroom setting right i want to be an inspiration by an example just much, much like what you're doing. It's, I don't know why it's in my, it's in me somehow. And I'm just trying to, uh, uh, express myself this way. I feel really fulfilled when I do it. And, um, it's worth more than any kind of money to me. Um, you know, I did it for years as a high school teacher. Now I'm, I'm kind of creating my own lane and I, I want to learn from people like you that are actually doing it because to do it in Australia and China and, you know, in London and Rome, fuck, man, that sounds so amazing to me. It's just it, like it wow. amazing. And and then thirty individual cities in the United States too. So that's crazy. That's that's amazing. Yeah, that's that's crazy. You see, you see a bunch of different uh, cultures in within one country within the United States because the United States is big. It's filled with so many different kinds of people. 
and so many different fitness cultures, ideologies. And it's cool to see that all, all this can coexist, you know, firsthand. Exactly. In the, in the um, city and, where I live, there's, there's, I think, four CrossFit gyms in the city where I live alone. Uh, there's, there's a lot of, you know, in, in Southern California, people, people want to train, want to be in shape and look good. And if I just take a mace uh, to a local park and swing it outside, uh, you cause a lot of commotion really quickly. Yeah. You get a lot of yeah. I, uh, I swing the mace in my front yard, you know, in the winter and the summertime, whatever, whatever time of the year it is, whenever I get an opportunity to do it, it's great. And people are like, what the fuck is that guy doing? But I honestly think it's the one fitness tool that, uh, has enough, has a physical effect on your morphogenic energetic field. Do you, do you, believe, have, have you ever thought about that? that? In, they believe that in India that there's one thing, uh, I remember years ago reading a, a book about yoga. Uh, I like that particular book because it explained the, uh, uh, psychosomic, the mind, uh, spirit link of every particular posture that they were doing. So the, at least the Indian culture believes that, that the physical movements will affect your spirit okay um and it's, it's obvious with the mace it does something for you that uh, uh well at least for me i can't speak for everybody but traditional linear weightlifting, uh and, you know powerlifting and things like that i was never really good at it anyway but it never gave me a feeling like swinging a 20 pound mace a 20 pound mace what a joke but that when i first started out that was the only mace that was available and um uh I love to be in a public setting where people see me swinging a mace and they'll say, how much does it weigh? And I'll say 30, 35 pounds, whatever it weighs. Let's say 30 pounds. In their That's mind, That's a heavy fucking mace, dude. Well, in their, I've got them a lot heavier. In, in, in their mind, they're thinking a 30-pound dumbbell. Right, right. And, and, and you don't have to be a Hercules to lift a 30-pound dumbbell. But you got to have your boots strapped on tight if you're going to swing a 30-pound uh, mace, let me tell you. And Definitely. Uh, I have a few female clients... Uh, in their 50s that are swinging 30 and 35 pound maces okay mazel tov <laughs> yeah uh they, yeah. they're out there i really believe uh in the next five to ten years the army of at least competitive mace swingers will be led by females and not by males i believe hmm. that why what why the male ego wants to lift more than 50 or 60 pounds and demonstrate excellence with it a guy wants to deadlift five and six hundred pounds uh, he wants to bench press three three big plates clanging together. Okay, you tell him we're gonna have a contest and you're gonna swing this sixty pound mace. It doesn't appeal to most men. Okay, most men can't do it, but it doesn't appeal to them. Uh, a female realizes that with a, a twenty to thirty pound mace, she can totally revolutionize her upper body the way it looks, the way it feels, and the way it moves. I'm in. I don't care if people don't think it's strong. I'm in. Hmm. And women have a higher pain tolerance than men anyway. They can do the harder workouts. <laughs> yeah. No, I'm, 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 that's an interesting thought. I, I like that. I'm, I'm for it. Um, where was I? Oh, yeah. So, yeah, we were talking about the mace and actually having an effect on the morphogenic field. I honestly feel like working with the mace this, this last two and a half, three years that it's taught me personally about spirituality. Like, I grew up Catholic, but I never really had like a – an inclination to um, to devote time to, to to church or anything like that. Like I just never felt pulled to it. Um, but swinging the mace around, it's taught me moving meditation. It's taught me to kind of zone in and focus and be in that place that you were talking about earlier. You know, 
to uh, feel like you're in some sort of meditative state where you're connecting to source. And uh, I've said these words the last six months, like being more open, inward work, connecting to source, calling it God, unconditional love, inspiration, and joy that flows through us. And that type of energy kind of has a ripple effect and it manifests in other ways. Creatively, it manifests to heal, it manifests your behavior with people and ideas of other people and other inspirations. And it just kind of keeps going. And I feel like that all together is tied in a spirit. And uh, it's just made me question uh, or have, you know, better questions about consciousness and reality and energy and time and space and all that stuff. So I get really deep on that level when uh, I think about swinging the mace and t connecting that with spirit. Do you ever have any of those that ideas run through your head absolutely 99 percent of my training for myself i do by myself i do alone mm -hmm. <clears throat> generally recently i've been training with a lot of music um, but for the many first years i would train in complete silence and usually in dim light for some reason i always seem to be in, in training halls that, that don't have the best of light uh, so it was a very meditative experience and cool. one thing that when you're when you begin a training session knowing that you're going to do a thousand reps the sound every little sound is magnified the sound that your hand makes sliding just one or two inches on the handle of the mace you hear that a thousand times it becomes a mantra to you it becomes something to you that means something i have a particular i like that sound i definitely uh get a little excited when I hear that sound, that that's hand sliding on the on the steel, it's great. Yes, absolutely. Um, uh, it becomes the only sound you can hear for the time, and it takes you to a nice place. I, I really like that. And yes, I definitely have that uh, um, rapturous moment when I, I do the, uh, the the reps uh, in the higher numbers. Um, yeah, yeah, I've, dude. One advantage that uh, there's a lot of advantages a young man like yourself has over an older man like me with a mace. Okay, you're young, you're strong, you're full of testosterone. Rah, rah, rah. <laughs> you're my age, it's a little different. But one thing, I know my body. Okay, I've been doing this for decades. Yeah. And I know what I can do, I know what it takes to get it to do what it needs to do, right? So, one thing I like to do, I mean, I, for me at least, I. <laughs> I like to put liniment on my shoulders, okay? Uh, I like to wear two layers of cotton, two. Even though uh, people send me all these, these funky shirts that are slippery and slagging and all that, you know, ultra cool <laughs> body armor. Yeah, they're nice too, I wear them too. But when I work out, I like two layers of cotton, even in the summer. Interesting. Interesting. Just I can throw one off. Um, and I, I like to have those and, uh, about 300 reps into the into the workout i think i think that the uh liniment has been soaked into my joints uh by now i've got some good jazz music playing on my speaker nice. system uh, and i like old jazz okay i got miles davis playing or something like that <laughs> too slow for most people but but uh hey i'm by myself okay and uh three or four hundred reps into it I, here's the feeling I love it. If I can explain it this way, before each workout, I have a goal of how many reps I'm going to do of each particular movement or just one movement. I love the feeling of being halfway through a workout 
and not really knowing if I have enough gas and enough air to make it to my goal. Hmm. We're about three quarters of the way there and you're almost there, but you're really tanked out that high. And I don't always make it. Okay. We have to have goals that we can't make to make a strive. Right. But when you do make it and your air and your, your energy got you just far enough, it's a great feeling. And that feeling lasts for hours afterwards. Absolutely lasts for hours. Um, I like that. So you're talking about like, let's say 500, 360s <coughs> is your workout. And you kind of work your way up to that. Right. Generally, it's, it's hard to go from zero to 500 without, without at least putting the mace down once. So what I would do, and this is my little tip, um, I try to figure out about how many breaks I'm going to have. Let's say I'm going to have 10 breaks. Let's say I'm going to do 100 reps 10 times. I'll put 10 pennies on the floor. After each break, I slide a penny over. Now, people think, well, why do you do that? I never want to be in a position where I'm thinking, was that 500 or 600? I don't, even yeah. want, to waste it. I don't want to waste that energy. When the pennies are done, I'm done. Okay? And that works really well for me to do that. I, I just slide. I lost you there. Um, when, you when you come and train with me, uh, you'll see some coins on the floor. You'll see the lid of my of my cup. <laughs> I have a uh, vertical blinds. I've got 19 blinds in the uh, in the window, and I'll put it on the top. I know I got 19 sets to do. Things like that. I don't want to have to waste any uh, energy. And that was something I learned from my bodybuilding days. Uh, when Schwarzenegger was in Europe in the late 60s before he came to America, he would just take a Sharpie felt pen and and do uh, you know fan, uh, marks on the wall. He, he right. used gym owners, but that's how he counted sets. Well, I'm not going <laughs> to mark up the wall of my training studio, but I will slide pennies across the floor. And uh, nice, yeah, I like that. I like that, it's, especially if you're doing high reps like that, which is uh, is interesting. I, I never really thought about my workouts like that. I I've always done like more intuitive stuff, but you know when I intertwine conventional with unconventional, I'll say like you know. 4360s left, 4360s right, and then I'll go into like pull-ups or dips or something or deadlifts and bench press or whatever the hell I'm doing that day. Like I like to kind of intermingle it all and you know I'm trying to find ways to integrate the steel mace with that mainstream community. You know, if I talk about conventional with unconventional uh because we all know that unconventional methods and exercises like a steel mace 360 is going to help your conventional exercises for sure. You know, so it, to, to say things like that and uh, to incorporate it myself with, you know, with myself personally and then with other clients and to kind of show the results and, you know, talk about the things that that we feel when we work with the mace to the extent that we've been, you know, using the mace. It, it's good to to put that that vibe out there. Uh, Rick Brown, Mr. Mace Man, it's been about an hour here. And uh, I mean, I, I feel like we can talk for another couple hours here. Shit. Trust me, I've been known to. <laughs> I've, been known, I've been known to. Well, I'll, I'll tell you, man, I'm very inspired by uh, you teaching around the world and your passion for the mace. I think we share that and uh, we're, we're spreading a, a positive message when it comes to wellness in general. You know, whether you're a promoter of unconventional tools or conventional tools or, or what have you, I think... Uh, 
you know, we, we're, we're talking about and spreading a message that's uh, only beneficial for people and healthy to kind of talk about, especially when there, there might be a little bit of uh, animosity towards some people. I think it's healthy to have discussion about different modalities, especially when it comes to a community that's pretty small and trying to grow. You know, there can't be friction within a small community if we if we really want to teach people in the world about the mace and uh and and uh show what the other what you know what people's benefits can be from it so i, I really appreciate you pre- appreciate you tell me and tell everybody where they can find you in your next workshop um uh, next workshop is in pleasanton california uh february 8th um it's in uh, near san francisco um Go to, go to my uh, page on uh, Instagram, at Mr. Maceman. I'll give you all the details. Hit me up with a private message there. Or on Facebook, it's Rick Brown, and it's spelled R-I-K, not R-I-C-K. R-I-C-K Brown is some uh, rapper in London. I've lost a lot of clients to him. Now they're listening to <laughs> But uh, I wonder if he wants to come and learn the mace. But uh, <laughs> Rick Brown, learning from Rick Brown. Yeah. But no, it's R-I-K Brown on Facebook. It's at Mr. Maceman on Instagram. And anybody can get a hold of me. I, I send a, a lot of free stuff out to people, okay? I can send you, I'll send you more videos than you want. I have a little guidebook I send out to everybody in the world that I know that's interested in the mace. Um, I do give away a lot. Awesome, man. Well, thank you so much for your time. It was a real pleasure. You're, you're a really cool guy and, and uh, you really shared some good stuff. Thank you. I hope we meet in person soon definitely and that was the podcast everybody thank you so much for tuning in that was a fun conversation to have rick brown is the man if you're looking to uh get more information about rick brown check the show notes that's r-i-k brown not r-i-c-k right r-i-k b-r-o-w-n and the show notes will have his website and all the information for his next steel mace workshop the steel mace is an awesome tool, whether you're you're doing it for strength and conditioning, whether you're doing it to do some flow patterns, whether you're just using it as a tool to kind of align the spine back up and expose some of those weak areas so that you can have greater awareness. That's what it is. It's an awareness piece, right? And I'll also throw out the question, does it have an effect on our electromagnetic field when, we sw- when we're swinging it around us? Does that have an impact on how we interact with our environment and interpret reality i find all these questions extremely interesting and i'm excited to learn more and more about the mace and how it has an effect on our mindset our psyche and our physical bodies as well it's amazing right so uh that being said if you like what you heard today make sure to leave a review and a five-star rating that would be great and if this is your first time here and you haven't already please subscribe by hitting the subscribe button in the corner on whatever podcast platform that you are listening to this way you'll get a notification every time a new podcast is available let's connect on instagram you can find me at danny cola fitness Until then, thank you so much for tuning in and all the love and support. I greatly appreciate it. Have a nice day. Have a nice night. Peace. Love.